0: You can also email Pete at the Pete calendar show.com. You can also hit me up on Twitter at Pete calendar. Um, let me go back to a story. I was mentioning in the last hour about these, uh, Chilean burglary crews that were operating in southeastern Michigan. They created a task force to go after them. They're hitting expensive homes. And Richard sent me, a, a, an article, um, This was from, I guess, over the summer. Residents in South Charlotte are coming to terms with a string of break-ins from Thursday. This is from Austin Walker at WCNC, Channel 36. In Ballantyne, there were three separate home invasions in less than 24 hours. Neighbors said it's normally a quiet place. Um, Crime mapping, blah, blah, blah. Police told neighbors that they gained entry through the rear patio door. Um... Glass breakage on the second floor, which also squares with the story out of Michigan. Same thing that the Michigan uh, law enforcement are talking about as a uh, point of entry. This isn't the first time in the last few weeks that South Charlotte has seen an issue like this. At the end of February, CMPD received a slew of reports that detailed break-ins in high-end homes. The department said the cases were possibly connected to South America. Using data, it showed those groups committed similar crimes in New York and New Jersey dating back nearly a decade ago. Instability. Right? You allow in, I think I heard this morning, they were, uh, I think Vince Coakley mentioned this stat, that it's something like 5,000 unauthorized immigrants are being released like every day we're on on a course to have 1.2 million people and 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 then there's like another 600,000 plus that are known gotaways those are just the ones you know about the government knows about You cannot look at the situation on the southern border and conclude anything other than an intentional approach to destabilize. I don't know how else to say it. You can't. This this cannot be anything less than intentional. And what it's causing is instability. And so, therefore, I have to believe that this is a desired outcome for some reason. And I suspect that it's probably going to be followed with an attempt to offer a, quote, solution. And you know me. I am all about solutions. But I'm concerned that the uh, the cure is going to be cooked up in the same lab as the ailment, you know? Because that's usually how these things go. Uh, I got some messages here. This is from uh, John, who's talking about the uh, the— the defeat of Sheila Jackson Lee in the Houston mayoral primary ru- or a general election runoff that occurred Saturday. She lost to a guy named Whitmire um, who ran on a, you know, tough on crime campaign platform. John says, my favorite Sheila Jackson Lee story was that she was visiting NASA in Houston and they were showing her the Mars rover satellite feed. And she asked them if they could drive it past where the American flag was planted by the Apollo crew. <laughs> it's the Mars rover, not the Moon rover. We didn't. We we haven't landed any humans on Mars yet. Elon's working on it, though. Bob wants to know if this guy, uh, uh, one of the guys quoted in this, uh, in this New York magazine piece, ro Meyerson. Is Meyerson an idiot or political hack masquerading as a consumer reporter? Uh, yes. That's the answer. Yes. Why not both? DL says, a friend of ours was in Lowe's a couple of weeks ago, saw a bunch of Latino men walk in and steal several $500 drills. Everybody saw them doing it, but nobody could say a word or do a thing. Right? Well, and <clears throat> this is the problem. This is why they're locking everything up is because the corporations have as policy that their employees shall not engage. Because if anything goes sideways, right, you you try to tackle somebody, you break a bone, you you get injured yourself or, God forbid, killed or you kill them. Massive lawsuits. So they're like, don't engage. Just let them walk out with the merchandise. And so now everybody knows this. And so all it takes is the will. And here's the problem, is that you have people who are law-abiding, but when they see that there is general contempt for the law and that now there is widespread ignoring of the law, then those a lot of people that were otherwise law-abiding, then they're not. They stop. Why should they keep adhering to these rules when nobody else is? It's kind of like, like this is what... The consistent application of a standard looks like uh, when you see the college presidents that are in all the hot water, and I'll, I'll get to them um, this hour. But it, this is the consistent application of the standard. We didn't want the standard, this free speech standard, where if you say something that people don't like, it gets you canceled, gets you fired, all that. Right? People on the right were opposed to all of this, but left the, the lefties didn't care. And so now, okay, this is the consistent application of your standard on you. Now you're fired. Um, let me see here. Uh, this is from Dennis. As a lifetime Charlottean, I would have liked to see our city council and county commission take the money they spent for such loser projects, such as the remodeling of the old Charlotte Memorial football stadium and the trolley car, as examples, and spend those multi-millions on supporting our crime fighters instead. Our local government's priorities have been out of whack for quite a while. Right. Something to keep in mind, if I recall correctly, and it's probably still the case because it's the case with virtually all local budgets, local government budgets, which is the, the main driver of the cost is personnel. And the police department has like 2000 employees. I think, yeah, I think officers. So, I mean, it's a, it's a very large force. Um, but yeah, if you, you you get what you pay for, you know, you get what you pay for, and if you don't value law enforcement, they know that recruits know that. This gets back to the discussion from the first hour and the uh, the CMPD recruitment and their shortage and the whistleblowers or you know that uh, came out of the polygraph uh, department. They were on Brett Jensen's program on Thursday night. We talked with Brett in that first hour about this very thing, and like a lot of people most of the people that want to be police officers want to do it for a calling they have a calling right and that's why they want to go do it and part of that is motivated by wanting to be not the villain or the victim but the hero of the story right we all by the way like nobody's ever no one's ever the villain of these stories right they're they're always the victim or the hero right no one's ever the villain but a lot of people are called to that line of work so they can make a difference, so they can help people, so they can be seen as the good guy. And if you're going to tell them that, no, they're all bad guys, then the people you want in those positions are no longer going to apply for those positions. It's, very, it's a very uh, basic concept here. Right, let me see if I can get Jeff on before the break. Hello, Jeff. Welcome to the program. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Enjoying it as usual. Thanks just want to give a shout out to uh Target store in Gastonia. Thanks for hiring off duty Gastonia police officers and patrolling the store, keeping our patrons safe. Interesting. So they actually would be empowered then to uh to make arrests. Yes, sir, and yeah. I was sitting outside waiting on my wife the other night and they did it. Ah, Oh, yeah. Four of them come, out, come running out and tackled the guy and held him till the police got there. Police cruiser got there, and I was an eyewitness. <laughs> wait, so they got four? They got four off-duty police officers walking the floor? In the store at one time. Wow. Yes, sir. Wow. Oh, interesting. Jeff, I appreciate the call, man. Thank you, sir. All right, take care. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Headline... Massive errors in FBI's active shooting reports. Incorrect. The correct number is way higher than what the FBI reports. The number of active shootings that have been foiled by armed civilians is actually way higher than what the FBI reports. This is at uh, the Crime Prevention Research Center, uh, and I believe these are the folks affiliated with uh, John Lott, Dr. John Lott, More Guns, Less Crime author. Um, I think this is what the the, the center that he's uh, started or leads or is in some way affiliated with it at the very least. The website is crimeresearch.org. This was a very, very, very lengthy article and very dense with a lot of data points. I'm not going to go over all of the numbers because reading numbers on radio, generally not great. So let me give you the high points. Evidence compiled by the Crime Prevention Research Center shows that the sources that the media rely on, when they tell these stories about good guys with guns and they try to hand wave these things, dismiss good guys with guns, right? They say, oh, that doesn't happen. The sources that they cite undercount the number of instances where armed citizens have thwarted attacks and they've undercounted it by a magnitude on the order of like more than 10. It's 10 times, saving untold number of lives. Of course, law-abiding citizens stopping these attacks are not rare. What is rare is national news coverage of those incidents. That's what's rare. The FBI reports that armed citizens only stopped 14 active shooter incidents over uh, an eight-year period. From 2014 through 2022, over these eight years, the FBI says that armed citizens only stopped 14 active shooters. Out of 302, 14 out of 302, the FBI defines active shooter incidents as those in which an individual actively kills or attempts to kill people in a populated public area. It does not include those that it deems related to other criminal activities, such as a robbery or fighting over drug turf, right? So you can kill like seven or eight people fighting over a corner so you can sling drugs, right? And that doesn't count as an active shooter situation or an active shooter incident. An analysis by the CPRC, Crime Prevention Research Center, identified a total of 440 active shooter incidents during that eight-year period. And it found that an armed citizen stopped 157 of them. So when they actually did the digging and the research on every shooting, they came up with different numbers. The FBI reported that armed citizens stopped 4.6, we'll call it 5%. All right, we'll round it up. We'll be charitable. The FBI says 5% of active shooter incidents thwarted by armed citizen. The CPRC, they pegged that number at 36%. So a full third. Two factors explain this. Number one, misclassified shootings. You misclassify the shooting, and then you can... Manipulate the data and you get a lower percentage. The other factor is overlooked incidents, right? If you misclassify shooting incidents and then you ignore others, right, you can juice the stats. Misclassified shootings. The CPRC determined that the FBI reports had misclassified five shootings. In two of the incidents, the FBI noted that in its detailed write-up that citizens possessing valid firearm permits confronted the shooters and caused them to flee. But the FBI did not list those cases as being stopped by armed citizens because police later apprehended the attackers. So because they ran away, then they don't count, right? In two other incidents, the FBI misidentified armed civilians as armed security personnel, but they weren't. And in a final incident, the FBI did not mention citizen engagement in the incident at all, even though there was. So that's the first kind of batch of mistakes that they made, misclassifying the incidents. The second factor overlooked cases. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Going over this uh, report from the Crime Prevention Research Center. That looks at the FBI's uh, reporting on active shooting incidents and how many of them are thwarted by, quote, good guys with guns, civilians, right? And what the FBI says, that only 4.6% of the active uh, shooter situations, incidents, over an eight-year period, only 4.5% were thwarted by civilians with guns, But the correct number, according to Crime Prevention Research Center, is 36%. And get this, if you exclude gun-free zones where law-abiding people that would otherwise be armed are are not because, by definition, they're law-abiding, and so they're not in these gun-free zones with guns. So if you take them out of the equation, the number is 64% of active shooter incidents thwarted by civilians with guns 64% what uh what is uh the reason what are the reasons why the fbi data is incorrect according to the cprc misclassified shootings as i mentioned number two overlooked incidents again very lengthy dense report i'm giving you the highlights overlooked cases the fbi missed 35 incidents identified by cprc where what would likely have been a mass public shooting was thwarted by armed civilians. There were another 103 active shooting incidents that they missed. That's like 140 incidents. It's not the 407. It's 5, whatever, 511. There is no reason to think that the news media covers all the cases where civilians stopped attacks. And the farther back in time you go, the more cases we are likely to miss. There's another reason that these corrected percentages are biased downward as they ignore that about half of these attacks occur where guns are banned. So law-abiding citizens who obey those rules wouldn't have had a chance to stop them in the first place. So you need to exclude those. The FBI's active shooting reports do not mention whether the attacks occur in gun-free zones or not. CPRC did the analysis, they went back and looked at every one of these cases, every, and they looked, looked at media reports, identified the locations, are these gun-free zones, et cetera, et cetera. That's how they came up with the numbers. Between 2014 and 2022, this eight-year period, citizens stopped 104 out of 204 potential or actual mass shootings where we could identify that guns were allowed in the area. So 51% of attacks were stopped by people legally carrying concealed handguns. Again, the most recent data is most accurate. And so for 2022 alone, 64% of the attacks were stopped in areas where people were clearly allowed to carry concealed. 64% just in 2022. The numbers indicate that if we didn't have gun-free zones, we would have more people... Stopping these attacks. Do concealed handgun permit holders who stop these attacks pose a danger to others? CPRC asks this question and examines the data as well, because this is usually the argument we hear whenever we're talking about this stuff. When like, we talk about school shootings and I say you should what what, I've been promoting this for years, which is allow teachers or school personnel, allow them to conceal carry. If they choose to. That's that's it. Just allow them the same rights that other people have at their workplaces. But people say, oh, you want to arm all the teachers, make, make them take trains. I didn't say make people, libertarian, lowercase l, libertarian here, let people. Just allow them to do it if they want to do it. If they don't, fine. But if they do, fine. And here's the thing. The school shooters, not going to know which teachers are armed and which ones aren't. It forces a rethinking of their attack plans. The media, so, uh, media and gun control advocates always seem concerned with the worst possible outcomes when firearms are involved. We know that armed citizens do, in fact, stop shooters. And while there's a possibility of a bystander getting hurt, the data put together by the CPRC shows that an armed citizen has yet to accidentally shoot an innocent bystander. This is the main concern you hear, the main argument you hear, and yet it hasn't happened. Over the course of this eight-year period, with all these studies or all these incidents part of the study, they couldn't identify a single innocent bystander being hit. We also know that the uh, police have accidentally shot the hero, citizen, the armed citizen, that has happened once, one time. That was in Colorado, June 21 of 2021. That's not something that normally happens, though. You know why? Because the police usually arrive long after the incident is over. They're not there. By the time they show up, the armed civilian has already neutralized the threat. So much of our public understanding of this issue is malformed by this single agency. The FBI says Theo Wold is the former Acting Assistant Attorney General in the U.S. DOJ. When the Bureau gets it so systematically and persistently wrong, the cascading effect is incredibly damaging. The FBI exerts considerable influence over state and local law enforcement and policymakers at all levels of government, he said. And finally, collecting data... He said uh, CPRC says collecting such data is fraught with challenges. Some see a pattern of distortion in the FBI numbers because the errors almost exclusively only go one way. It's always the case. Isn't that amazing? It's always the case. It's just all the mistakes are always made in one political direction. You know, they minimize the life saving actions of armed citizens, quote, whether deliberately through bias or just incompetence. The FBI database of active shooters cannot be trusted, said Gary Mauser, an an emeritus professor at Simon Fraser University in Canada who has extensively studied gun control and defensive gun uses. Mauser's concern dovetails with those voiced by Congressman Jim Jordan in a July letter to the FBI director. Jordan alleged that whistleblowers have come forward claiming political biases in the FBI's domestic terrorism data. What is particularly troubling is the unwillingness of the FBI and the media to correct these omissions when they were informed about them by CPRC. They won't fix it. By the way, surveys show that criminologists and economists had the same top four preferred policies for stopping mass public shootings. Did you know that? Criminologists and economists. They were asked to rate on a scale one to ten, one least effective, ten most effective. And here's how criminologists rated policies uh, that would more than likely reduce mass public shootings. Number one, allow K-12 teachers to conceal carry. Number two, allow military personnel to carry on military bases. Number three, Encourage the elimination of gun-free zones. Number four, relax federal regulations that pressure companies to create gun-free zones. That was among criminologists. What did the economists say? Well, they said the same thing, just a different order. First, eliminate gun-free zones. That was the most popular. Number two, relax federal regulations that pressure companies to create the gun-free zones. Number three, allow K-12 Teachers to carry, conceal, and number four, allow military personnel to carry on base. Same, they came up with the same results, just a different order. You can find this research at crimeresearch.org. All right, do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply. Camping and hiking supplies, even because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at CarolinaReadiness.com, veteran owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Maybe I should invest in one of those magic eight balls. 'Cause I was on with uh Brett Winterbull every Friday. We do the Friday hangover. I stick around for an extra segment uh when Brett's show starts at three. And on Friday, I said, I don't think any of these college professors are gonna get fired. I just have no confidence that that there would be any kind of uh punishment for their train wreck of a performance. And and one of them, the MIT president, She's already been backed by her board, so she's not going anywhere. But the head of University of Pennsylvania, Elizabeth McGill, Liz McGill, she resigned on Saturday. New York Times reports four days after her testimony at a congressional hearing in which she seemed to evade the question of whether students who called for the genocide of Jews should be disciplined. The announcement in an email sent to the Penn community from Scott Bach The chairman of the Board of Trustees followed months of intense pressure from Jewish students, alumni and donors who claimed that she had not taken their concerns about anti-Semitism on campus seriously. So, uh, John Sexton at HotAir.com, he says that the pressure on McGill to resign started well before her congressional testimony, which I did not know. That still would not have changed my prediction. All right, so here's a little, here's something to go, go by. If I make a prediction, you should bank on the opposite happening. I predict that the Panthers will lose every game for the rest of the season. I'm just going to go, I want to go on record right now and say that. They're going to lose the remaining four games. See, but it's like, it, but it, it's almost as if, see, now that I said that, and I know I'm saying it in order to get the inverse to happen like then like the universe knows that too and so then it it will make me right on that prediction i don't know it's almost like my predictions kind of sink or swim on their own anyway um it began months ago after the school hosted the palestine rights literature festival that featured a bunch of openly anti-semitic figures including roger waters Since then, major donors like John Huntsman and Dick Wolf, the creator of Law & Order, have withdrawn donations and demanded McGill resign. The congressional testimony just added fuel to that already existing fire, including the withdrawal of another $100 million gift by wealthy alum Ross Stevens and a vote of no confidence from the board of Wharton, the business school. She will reportedly remain on as interim president until her replacement, is selected and i think i heard also that she gets to keep like a tenured professorship or something at the school so she's not she's not going to be president anymore oh and then i saw the president of harvard who was also on the hot seat for her terrible performance christopher rufo just published a report today that says her her dissertation was plagiarized and he provided side by side examples of the academic work that she ripped off that might do her in see that's not that's not a prediction i'm not i'm not making a prediction there i'm just saying that could it's possible the problem here was not mcgill's support for free speech it was the fact that these schools don't apply the rules evenly or at all when the speech in question is something that the left dislikes right In other words, the real problem wasn't what the president said. It was that they were all lying when they said it. Would anything have changed if McGill had been allowed to hang on? He says, my guess is no. These progressive schools are always going to be run by people who coddle the left and punish the right because that's the culture they come from. Until we have a university president who defends free speech when really offensive things are said about other minority groups on campus then the decision to cling to it in this instance will always ring very hollow. The best outcome here would be free speech, meaning free of any fear of punishment for everybody. The worst outcome, maximal free speech for the left and minimal free speech for the right, which is what we have on most campuses most of the time. What we seem to have collectively settled for is something in the middle, neither best nor worst case scenarios here. No one really has free speech, and everyone, even the school's president, can be punished if people on the other side get angry enough. It's not ideal, but it's closer to being fair. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.